Hey there, John Morris here, johnmorrisonline.com. Welcome back to another episode of the John Morris Show. So this is why I'm going to dive into this question. This was something I saw, I was actually asked to answer over on Quora. And the question was, why are developers so obsessed with the full stack title? And I've kind of got this before and talked about this a little bit in the past, but I wanted to come back around and do sort of a more full episode on on this whole question since I was asked to answer it. So we're going to be looking at the the question first off of, is it really developers that are obsessed with this title? Because I don't, I actually don't think it is. And we're going to talk about why that is and what that means exactly. And then we're going to look into some of the, the data that we can find on different sites like Indeed and Upwork that sort of paint the picture of why this whole thing of full stack sort of became a thing in the first place and what it means and where it really applies and the places that it actually does matter and then the places that it doesn't. And and so you have a good clear picture of when this is something that, that you want to do. And then we'll talk about, I think, the underlying question that a lot of people have when they talk about this is, what should I do? Should I, I, I've answered questions before about, can I just be a front end developer or just a back end developer? Do I need to be full stack? If I'm going to be full stack, you know, what, how should I go about doing that? You know, what languages, all that sort of thing. So we're going to address all of that and sort of hopefully put this, this full stack question to bed once and for all. So that's what's coming up in the show. Of course, before I do that, I do want to encourage you to head on over to store.johnmorrisonline.com and help support the show. Also get the coding training you need. And as a regular listener of the show, you can use the coupon code JMO at checkout for 20% off anything in the store. So you're going to find my PHP courses, my object-oriented programming course, my login script tutorial, my web traffic uh, course over there, my Upwork 101 course, all of that over there to help you either start or advance your coding career all again at store.johnmorrisonline.com and again use the coupon code jmo at checkout for 20 percent off anything in the store also all the udemy links skillshare links all that's over there again store.johnmorrisonline.com all right with that out of the way let's go ahead and and dive into this question so i think the first thing to to address is it Really, develop, are developers really obsessed with this full stack title thing? And I, I don't actually think it's developers. I've personally, and I know this is anecdotal, but I've never really personally met a developer who would brag about being full stack or try to throw that around like it meant anything, whether in person or online. That's never been something when a person is talking developer to developer that I've ever had anybody think I was supposed to think that was a big deal. I've just never come across that in 12 plus years of doing this. I'm sure there's those people out there, but I would say for the most part, that's not really anything that developers do. And I think most developers, when you say full stack, they sort of understand what that means and sort of get that in a way, a lot of us kind of all are full stack. I mean, that's not, again, 100% true. But I would say most developers are either somewhat a full stack or on their way to full stack or completely are. I mean, it's just not something that is this big, super important thing when it comes to between developers. So I don't know that it's developers that are uh, as obsessed with it as it might seem. Plus, I don't know that if I've ever met an actual true full stack developer. Most of the developers that I've ever met or worked with tend to be either 
a back-end developer who is pre- uh, proficient enough in the front end to sort of make do and be able to to execute and do things that need to be done, but they're definitely not, they're usually not near as good on the front end as they are on the back end, or the vice versa. They're really good on the front end and are proficient on the back end, but it's nowhere close to what they can do on the front end. I would say it's fairly rare. I'm sure they exist, but I, I would say it's pretty rare to find someone who is equally proficient in both, and that skill level is really, really high. Usually, Developers tend to be really, really good at one and sort of proficient at the other. So again, I don't, it's sort of the myth of the full stack developer in a way, because I don't know that I've ever met someone who truly fully is as good and is really good in both. Now, so when we we start talking about this and, and we, we understand that maybe it's not developers who really care about it or or even we sort of realize that maybe it's even a little bit of a myth, why is this such a big thing? Because you do hear it in a lot of different places. And I think it ultimately comes down to employers, not to uh, developers. And so, and you know, there's sort of, there's a little bit of data that we can look at behind this. So if you go over to Indeed and you do a search for full stack developer, you will find 11,664 jobs. And the median income listed there is 110,579. You do the same search, but for JavaScript developer, you'll find 26,000 jobs and the median income at right around 97,000. And PHP developer, you'll find about 9,600 jobs and a median income of 78,000. So a full stack developer actually has on Indeed right now, there are more jobs available for a full stack developer and the median income is about $32,000 more per year compared to a PHP developer. So that gives you some sense that maybe employers are actually caring and looking at this. Now, JavaScript, of course, has more jobs, but still the median income is about 13000 less when compared to a full-stack developer. Uh, so again, I think the, the source of all of this is actually going to be employers, not developers. So when I say that that's sort of a myth and it's not something that dev- developers necessarily really care about, that doesn't mean that you should brush it off, that you should be like, oh, well, it doesn't matter, so I don't need to list it in this, that, and the other. The reason developers list it and talk about it in their resumes and, and that sort of thing is because employers tend to care about it and tend to talk about it, and the numbers sort of bear that out. So, again, it's between developers, it's probably not that big of a deal or something we really care about. But between an employer and a developer, I think clearly employers, it's something that they look at and tend to pay more for. And so that can be something that you can use to to your advantage when you are applying for jobs and so forth. Now, I always think it's important to separate getting a job at a company from freelancing because I find a lot of times what developers try to do is they try to take things that apply in one of those contexts and apply them to the other. And they're really two completely separate things. So I, I went over to Upwork and I did a, I sort of had a hunch about this just because I've spent so much time on Upwork. I kind of know, I, I sort of have a sense of, of what's over there, but I went over and specifically did this research 
And I started off doing sort of what I always do to 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 analyze a market over there when it comes to the developer side of things. So I filtered for freelancers that have sixty uh, that charge sixty dollars uh, per hour or more. I have a thousand build hours or more and have earned at least ten k or more. So that sort of separates out all the 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 people that aren't you know don't necessarily get a ton of work over there and sort of relegates it to the people that are having success. And I wanted to see, and then I did a search for full stack developer to see how many freelancers who use that phrase full stack developer are meeting those criteria. That gives us some idea of the success of that, that, that phrase in freelancing. And I found 47, which, you know, that's more than say node and some of these other things, but it's about half, I think, or half or a third of what PHP is about half of what, JavaScript is. Uh, and so it's not nearly as many as you're going to find for some of these these other sort of uh, like pure back end or pure front end type things. The other thing is, is if you actually look through some of those freelancing profiles, while they come up in the search for full stack developer, they don't actually use that phrase in their title. So there, there was some sort of false positive. So the number is actually probably uh, less than 47. So Again, gives us a signal that full stack maybe isn't as big of a thing when it comes to the freelance market. I also went to the developer side of my account and I searched for projects on there that had the phrase full stack developer in there. So projects that were looking for it. And this is this is global. So this isn't just the US. This is global. There are 1,240 jobs that mention that phrase. And if you compare that to say PHP, there are 9,758 jobs that mention that, and there are 10,294 that mention JavaScript. So it gives you some semblance of a, a comparison between the two. So just not near as many jobs that are wanting a, or projects that are wanting a full stack developer when it comes to the freelance market. So it's not nearly the thing in freelancing as it is in getting hired at a, a company that hires developers. So that's something to keep in keep in mind. You create a freelance profile that says full stack developer on it. That's probably not going to uh, do you a whole lot of good uh, in the freelance market. However, putting it on your resume, uh, I think clearly will. So then, I, I think to really hammer this home, I think the 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 question you have to dive into to understand, I think not just answer the question, but go beyond and understand the deeper motivation and how you can use that to your advantage when you're applying and talking to employers and so forth and doing interviews. You can use this this focus that they have on full stack to your advantage. And so uh, the question then at that point is, why do employers do this? Why do they care about it so much? And I, I think there's three big things. There's probably with human beings, there's always a bunch of you know, sort of subsidiary things. But I think there's three big things when you look at it. The first one, and probably the biggest one, is cost, right? The, the, you have these companies who they, ultimately the projects or the project that they're they're working on does need a, a true front-end developer and a true back-end developer, right? It just have trying to have someone be really, 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 really good at both of those things uh, is going to be difficult. However, the company can't afford two developers at that time. So what they do is they go out looking for someone who can 
do all of those things and then they sort of go with a good enough mentality, right? That, well, if they know it enough, they'll be able to create us something that's good enough and, and sort of get us going. And then as we grow, we can bring in other people that are more specialized and, and be able to fill out our, our developer roster, so to speak, that way. So a big one is just cost. They can't afford two developers, so they, they look for someone who's a full-stack developer who can do everything they need, even if they know that that developer might not be able to do certain things as good as a specialist would. The second thing is is the smarter companies, often it's the bigger companies that, that have the money to pay for multiple developers. Uh, if they're smart, what they do is they get someone who is strong in the back end but is quote-unquote full stack and knows the, the, the front end proficiently. So they get one person that's that way. And then they get someone who's strong front end but is also proficient in the back end. And that way they get a sort of overlap and they get the best of both worlds. So they have two developers that are technically full stack but they're strong in the, the two different sort of sides, front end and back end. And, and then they can sort of work together a little bit easier and it creates some, <laughs> to use a buzzword, it creates some synergy uh, between the two. And they'll sort of fill out their roster in that way to to hire people who are well-rounded but complement each other. That's what the smart companies are going to do. So they're still going to look for full-stack developers, but they're going to know, they're going to have done this enough to know that every full stack developer is not created equal. They're all going to sort of have strong suits and they're going to sort of fill out and build their roster accordingly. So you have to keep that in mind when <clears throat> when you're applying for certain jobs. They may be looking for someone who will tell them, look, I'm a full stack developer. I know the stack, but I'm a lot stronger in the front end. They may be looking for someone who isn't trying to tell trying to make them believe that they're just as proficient in the entire stack. So you have to sort of read the situation and keep that in mind. The last reason then that companies do this is what I would call the best players sort of analogy. So this is a football analogy. And the way it goes is, you know, sometimes you'll have in football, sometimes you'll have a guy who isn't necessarily the best fit for a particular position. However, talent-wise, they're just really, really good and one of the best 11 players uh, that you could put on the field. And so instead of trying to, instead of focusing on just the position, what they do is they just try to get that guy on the field because of his talent and because he makes plays. And he may at times be out of position and not know what to do for the position he's in, but because he's so good and such a playmaker that he'll make up for it uh, by making big plays and, and so forth. And so sometimes companies, that's sort of their mentality is they, they, they know that when they hire full stack developers that you know those developers aren't necessarily going to be equally proficient across the board, but they want to get the most well-rounded developers they can. They know that they're going to have some people that are stronger in this and that, and they try to adjust for that. But Ultimately, they just want the most well-rounded developers, the most complete developers. They're going to hire a bunch of those people and then just sort of let them figure it out. So those are some of the reasons why companies do that and hopefully give you some insight into the different ways that you can approach different companies when you're applying for jobs and to keep those things in mind as you're talking to them and so forth. But the last thing that I want to cover then is with all of this information, right, it, it's all great, useful information, but what should you do? What specifically should you do now as a result of, of knowing this? 
The first thing that I think you, that you need to really figure out is you need to know what you are. So you need to you need to know where your natural passion and your natural talent lies. And it it is very likely that you could have started down a particular path because that's just sort of what you got into and ca- kind of got caught up in when in reality your natural passion and your natural talent lies somewhere else. Well, you're going to get a lot further and have a lot more success if you bite the bullet now, realize that the path you're going down isn't the best isn't the absolute best path you could be taking, make the switch and sort of go all in on the thing that you're most passionate about, the thing you have the most natural talent about. And in in particular, I'm talking about front end versus back end. So you may have started learning how to code and doing back-end stuff, but realized uh, sort of down that path that you really love the front-end side of things. You really love the design part and all that sort of thing. You would be better served because now you have some knowledge of the back-end. You're probably proficient. You'd be better served to to make the switch now and start going in and learning front end design and that sort of thing, because you have that natural passion, that natural talent, it's going to take you further. But then you also still have that, that sort of side thing of knowing the back end a little bit and being a little bit proficient there. So it helps round you out, but now you're focusing on your strength. So it's really important to know which one you are and make sure that that's the one that you're going sort of pushing and and going all in 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 terms of what you're learning in terms of the type of clients or jobs that you're applying for all that sort of thing so know which one you are now how do you figure that out well i have some things i've done a episode in the past on this i'll link to that episode on the show notes page for this episode which will be johnmorrisshow.com slash 275 but i've done an episode where i talk about sort of the three different kinds of developers and some of the ways that you can figure out which one you are. I'll talk about the two related to front end back end here specifically. But when you're a front, if you're more naturally a front end developer, you're you're going to be someone who's really more. You're going to be more into design. You're going to be more naturally creative, and and you're really going to be. You're actually going to be interested in uh, other people emotions, how that relates to design and color and all that sort of stuff. When, when you start looking into it and people start talking about it, you sort of get excited. You sort you, you like learning about those uh, particular things because that's ultimately a lot of what design is. And oftentimes what I find is people who are more natural towards the front end side tend to, they be tend to be a little bit more other focused. And what I mean by that is, again, they're they're into people and other people's emotions and their reactions to the things that they create. So a lot of times you really care about what, let's say you're working with a client, you really care about what uh, what they think and, and how they react to it and, and, and their perception of it. it. It matters to you. And that's often in stark contrast to what a lot of back-end developers, how the, how they operate. And I'll get to that in a minute, but you just, you, you sort of care about other people. And I'm not trying to say back-end developers are cold and heartless, but it's a different sort of focus. You, you really care about other people, their, their reactions to what you're doing. And you tend to be a little bit more of a gray area type thinker and instead of just a pure black and white uh, type thinker. So if some of those things sort of resonate with with you and what you know about your personality, then it, it's a sign that maybe you're more of the uh, uh, natural fit for a front end developer. 
A back-end developer, conversely, is more is someone who's more into ideas. They're, they're not as focused on people. They're more focused on ideas and processes. And a lot of times, they care more. They don't necessarily care how other people react to what they do, good, positively or negatively. They're more concerned about their proving it to themselves than they are proving it to other people. And so they tend to be a little bit more self-focused. They're, they're obviously they're they're often more logical and really love logical linear thinker. They they tend to be more linear type thinkers. Generally more introverted, more into logic and reason. As I said, they're more into proving it to themselves than they really are worried about other people and they tend to be more black and white type thinkers. And so if some of that stuff resonates uh, with you and how you know you naturally think, then that's a sign that maybe you're more of a back-end developer or a natural fit for that. Now, again, there's always some overlap. You're going to have people who are who really love logic and, and so forth, but you know they maybe they still care about people's reaction. Like These aren't hard, fast rules, but these give you some sort of, of indicators of where you might fit best. And then at the end of the day, what you need to do is you need to start working in sort of each one of these and get an idea like which one do I naturally think about? Do I naturally get called back to that? I want to, I want to keep, I have to do this other part, but I want to do this part, etc. And it's just absolutely important that you follow your passion because that's, what's going to drive you through all the work that you got to do to be really, really, really good at it. And, and being really, really, really good at one side is going to serve you better than being somewhat proficient at everything. So uh, again, know know what you are. Some other sort of quick hitters in terms of how you can use this. First off, I don't think you should worry about the title yourself. I mean, it's not something that you should really care about too much. It's more just a tool for uh, appealing to to employers and so forth. So you should not care about it all that much yourself, but absolutely put it on your resume if you can, right? If it if it applies to you, because. I mean, we just saw the numbers from Indeed. It it makes a difference. I would say be sure to highlight your strong side. So mention that while you are a full stack developer, you, that you are more proficient or you're you're better at the front end or you're better at the back end. That ultimately, I think a, a mistake a lot of developers make or a lot of, really just a lot of people applying for jobs is it's is well, I, I just want to get the job. So they'll almost say anything to get the job and not think. Uh, as much about how well they're going to fit. Are they actually going to like that job and working for that company and so forth? And I think you should think a lot more about that and make sure you're communicating to uh, employers the proper things so that you actually do push away the people that aren't going to be a good fit for you and you attract more of the people that are. So I think it's important that you put on your resume, you highlight what your strong side is. Yes, that's going to cause some employers to be like, oh, well, I want someone who's proficient in all of these things. But do you really want to work for that company or for that person, especially when you are stronger in one and not the other? And now you're going to be in a situation where they're expecting you to be equally proficient. Like It's, it's a bad situation and a bad fit. So you, you want to avoid those things. And the way that you avoid those things is by communicating clearly and honestly and not trying to portray yourself as something you're not. Well, that's not saying you shouldn't put your best foot forward, but you should also be honest about important things like this. So be sure to highlight your strong side. Also, when you're working in these, 
just always sort of be aware of the context of the company and what's happening and the other developers that you might be working with, what their strong suits are, what the way that maybe your boss or a lead developer tends to communicate with you and sort of the things they're expecting with you, from you and how that relates to what you know about yourself and your strong suit. And in all of that, again, be be sure to absolutely communicate clearly where you stand what your strengths are, your boundaries, all that sort of thing. The more honest you are, the more clearly you communicate that stuff instead of, oh, I'm just going to suck it up or oh, you're so terrified of getting fired that you're not going to say, well, look, I'm not really that good at that. The more honest you are, the more respect you will earn and the more you will help the people that you work with and the people that you work for to understand you and how you can best be used in what they're trying to accomplish. And the more that that happens, the more you're going to get used for the things that you ultimately want to be doing yourself, that you enjoy, that you're good at, etc. You're going to be used in the right way. And so it's if you never communicate that, those people never know that. And so then you end up always doing all this stuff that you don't really want to be doing. So again, be sure to communicate those boundaries. Again, know who you are, but then communicate that clearly from the very beginning. Uh, the last thing that I'll give you then is I did a uh, an episode on this, and I'll link to that again in the show notes page for this episode, johnmoreshow.com slash 275. But a lot of people ask me, what languages should I learn in what order? And so I actually did an episode where I said, learn these languages in this order, and I talk about why you should learn those, and I actually give you some some courses that you can take that fit the languages and, and the approach that you should be taking to all this. It is a full stack sort of approach, but it's a very specific way of doing that. So again, I'll link to that in the show notes page for this episode. And I highly recommend taking a listen to that episode because uh, I, I just know that from the reaction I got from people, it really helped clarify a lot of things for people. And it's just really hard, direct, do this, do this, do this. And, and here's why. So all right, so now the the last thing I want to do here then is uh, sort of give you some direction in terms of of putting all of this together. What can we can can you do right now? And I want to recommend two different courses to you, depending on whether you're a front end or a back end developer. So take the time to sit down and think about which one you are, and then ultimately you could take both of these, but the order in which you take them will differ based on whether you're more a front end or a back end. So if you're more of a front end developer, I really uh, strongly encourage you to check out the ultimate web developer course by Brad Hussey. And the reason why is because there's a whole section on design in there, which is something you don't necessarily, a lot of times what you'll find is you'll find all like pure coding courses that'll talk about the code and the HTML and CSS and all that, but won't have the design part. Or you'll find courses that are really just sort of design, they're more graphic design and Photoshop and really don't have any coding to them. What I like about this course is it has both. So you're going to learn the code, the HTML, the CSS, I think even Angular and React and some of those other things are in there. But there's a whole section on actual design and color theory and topography and spacing and, and all that sort of thing. So you actually learn design principles, which is critical for being a good front-end developer. So again, I highly recommend that course. You can find it at johnmorrisonline.com slash ultimate. 
Uh, and again, that's the Ultimate Web Developer course by Brad Hussey. So if you're more the front-end person, I recommend that one. If you're more the back-end person, then I will humbly submit my own course, Learn PHP, MySQL, and Object-Oriented Programming uh, over on Udemy. And and the big thing about this in particular is, I talked about this yesterday, but it sort of is designed to go from sort of junior developer level all the way through senior de- uh, level developer in terms of knowledge when it comes to PHP. And the big thing is, is, is obviously we go through and sort of teach you all the basics of PHP, but then go beyond that in the object-oriented programming section to actually teach you how to build professional level applications. And that that's where you really start to separate yourself. When you understand design patterns, when you understand object-oriented programming, when you understand how to sit back and build an object model and build a, a database structure and, and tie that into uh, an application using solid design principles, object-oriented programming, all that sort of thing. When you understand how to do that, building large complex applications actually becomes pretty easy because you have a system for breaking it down. And that's one of the big things that I really try to focus on uh, in that course is, yes, giving you all the basics so you can be proficient, but then showing you how to build real professional uh, applications. Because I think, again, that's the part where you just really start to separate yourself. So, Anyway, if you want to learn more about that, it's johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP. Again, if you're more the the back-end developer type. And, of course, I'll, again, I'll link to all this stuff on the show notes page, johnmorrisonline.com slash 275. All right, that'll do it for this episode. If you like it, I'd appreciate it if you'd share it with someone who you know has this sort of question or maybe has, has talked about this or could benefit from hearing this. Also, all the past episodes and the subscribe links for iTunes, Android, TuneIn, you can find all of that at johnmorrisshow.com. And finally, I'd appreciate it if you would rate and review the podcast that over on iTunes because that helps sort of grow the show and, and expose it to more developers and so forth. So I'd really, really appreciate that. And I will also give you Module 1 of my PHP 101 course for free if you'll do that. All the instructions for that are at johnmorrisshow.com. Just click on the Start Here link at the top. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.